the Italian Wine Podcast is the community-driven platform for Italian wine geeks around the world. Support the show by donating at italianwinepodcast.com. Donate five or more euros and we'll send you a copy of our latest book, My Italian Grape Geek Journal, absolutely free. To get your free copy of My Italian Grape Geek Journal, click support us at italianwinepodcast.com or wherever you get your pods. Grazie mille. Official media partner, the Italian Wine Podcast, is delighted to present a series of interviews and highlights from the 2023 Wine to Wine Business Forum, featuring Italian wine producers and bringing together some of the most influential voices in the sector to discuss the hottest topics facing the industry today. Don't forget to tune in every Thursday at 3 p.m. or visit theitalianwinepodcast.com for more information. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us for this session today. I'll move back a bit, um, about the UK fine wine market. Uh, my name is Hermione Ireland. Um, I'm the managing director and publisher of the Academy Duval Library, which was Stephen Spurrier's publishing company. Um, we were founded five years ago to publish um, the best wine writing, and we've got books in the book corner, and I shall be there most of the time, so please come and say hello. Um, and I'm very pleased to introduce um, a, a colleague, uh, Adam, and Claudio, who also has joined us from the UK. Uh, I'll introduce Claudio first. Uh, Claudio has lived in London for 10 years. He originally came over as a sommelier, uh, where he worked for at the Savoy Grill um, and at Mays for um, Gordon Ramsay. Um, he also did a stint at Christie's, uh, but he these days works, he's the trade analyst at the Italian Trade Agency in London. Uh, he's obviously passionate about Italian wines and promoting them, and he organizes lots of events Um, he helps uh, Vin Italy and uh, Five Star Wine Awards, and he brought all of the delegation over from the UK for this event. Um, and he's going to be talking to you about it, some Italian wine trends in the UK market. Um, Adam Lechmere is a journalist. He also works with me at Academy de Man Library. Um, he's the contributing editor to Club Onologique, uh, and he also runs the Academy de Man Foundation, which is, a, which is a charity dedicated to improving diversity in wine and hospitality worldwide. Um, he was formerly the editor of Decanter.com, which he launched in 2000, and he's been writing about wine for nearly 25 years, including Decanter, World of Fine Wine, Meiningers, JaneAnson.com, The Guardian, and other publications. And he launched uh, Club Onologique in 2018. He's interviewed many top winemakers. Wine he's a generalist, but he considers his areas of expertise particularly to be Spain, California, and Italy. Um, and he worked for the BBC back in the day before he uh, got the wine bug um, and has worked as a travel writer um, and all over the world. So without further ado, I will pass you on to Claudia. Thank you, Hermione. Um, good afternoon, all. I, uh, I'm Claudio. I work at the Italian Trade Agency, which is the governmental agency that supports the um, Italian business to promote abroad, um, uh, also promotes the attraction of the foreign investment in Italy. And I'm based in the London office, uh, which for, uh, oversees the UK and Irish markets. So as Hermione has already mentioned, I'll give you a quick overview of the Italian wine market in the UK. Uh, in Italy, there are 700,000 hectares uh, of vineyards. And according to data from the Italian trade agency 2023, Uh, exports generated at uh, around 8 billion euros for Italy, uh, which is a 80% plus on total sales abroad in uh, the last decade. Uh, as you can see from the slide, which is now working. 
on the laptop, yeah? Yeah, as you can see from the slide, uh, the UK uh, is obviously an important uh, uh, market destination for the wine industry, being the third after USA and Germany in 2022. Yeah. And now yeah, it's working. now it's working. <laughs> And the major four countries that export to the UK are Italy, France, Spain, and Australia. Uh, like any other country, <clears throat> the volume of wine in the UK imports and sales into the country are obviously uh, influenced by a range of factors, uh, including economic conditions, global wine production trends, and consumer preferences. For instance, uh, since June 2022, total sales of wines and spirits in the UK have declined. Uh, as businesses and consumers uh, faced mounting cost pressures. I'll come back uh, on this a bit later. Uh, over the last 10 years, anyway, Italy has consistently been one of the top exporters, uh, wine exporters to the UK, with its market share um, performing uh, steadily at uh, around 20% in uh, total wine volume and values exported to the country. So, Italian Wine Podcast brought to you by Mama Jumbo Shrimp. Uh, what the UK consumer needs and want to mm, and want, and how we can continue to make Italian wine. Oh, sorry, a second. A success in the UK. Um, so, the success of the Italian wine in the UK is a combination of a range of factors. Um, the first one is the diversity. Consumers appreciate the Italian uh, diverse wine offerings, and they are starting to value also the, the terroir and uh, Italy's long winemaking tradition and history also contribute to this appeal. Uh, with its range of grape varieties and wine regions, Italy allows consumers to explore different styles and flavors so from Nero Davola from Sicily to the Bill of Chianti, um, there are great choices for consumers in the UK. There's been also growth and success in sales of Italian wines uh, that have been fueled by the surge in popularity of some grape varieties like Pinot Grigio and Prosecco, uh, as well as a broader appreciation of premium Italian wines like Nebbiolo from Lange, Greco, Falangina, Vermentino, Vernaccia, and fine wines like Barolo, Amarone, and Brunello and Mount Etna also, which are known for their quality and their craftsmanship. Barolo, for instance, has offered, like, lately, uh, an invaluable opportunity. Uh, it's paving the way, let's say, uh, for other Italian wines, because, because of its higher price tag, uh, has helped to change the perceived quality of the Italian wines. So the consumers now, in a sense, feel also more confident in ordering uh, other, other different Italian wines and different grape varieties. And another factor to the success of Italian wines also is the UK for love for Italian cuisine and food pairing. Uh, in fact, Italy's wines are, no, are known for their food pairing uh, versatility and continue to perform well, uh, especially in, in, in the on trade. Uh, looking back at the pandemic period, we can see also the consumers uh, would stay at home to eat. Uh, they started to buy more online and wine sales uh, showed up. Uh, and when buying online, consumers also uh, felt more adventurous in their wine choices. 
and, and so did also investors and collectors in, in the auction world as they started to buy more exotic, exotic wines from Italy and USA, moving from the diversifying their portfolios from the classics, uh, Burgundy uh, and Bordeaux. Now the uh, post-pandemic sales of fine wine at auctions have returned more French-centric, but the, the Italian wines sold at auctions also represent a point of reference. Um, of course, Italian producers have to remember that um, investors and collectors are more inclined to buy fine wines uh, that won acclaim by international leading uh, wine critics. Now, moving on, another factor contributor contributing to the success of Italian wines is also the affordable price. Um, many Italian grape varieties, including Pinot Grigio and Prosecco, sorry to repeat <laughs> these two grapes, very... Um, Dolcetto and Negramaro, let's say, they are competi competitively priced uh, and offer excellent value for money. And British people, for instance, they consume Prosecco more because of its versatility and uh, affordable price point, and they buy it also to celebrate, to get together, but as also, in a sense, a touch of luxury, despite being affordable. So overall, in the UK, we've seen also... Uh, a shift towards uh, sparkling wine consumption, and off the back of the Prosecco success, now we see other sparkling wines, including the OCG Prosecco, uh, resonate more with customers, uh, despite uh, the, their higher prices. Like Trento Doc, or we have sparkling wines from Campania, Sicily, Lombardy, that provide elegance uh, uh, at a price point which is less than champagne, making them attractive options, um, in the on trade especially. Uh, on the other end, Champagne have continued to slow down due to its higher price. So up to here, um, uh, I, I've given you a picture of how Italian wines are doing in the UK market and what consumers value. Now I'd like to explore with you uh, the challenges uh, the UK wine market presents, faces now, is facing now. The situation is complicated. There's been a decline in total wine volume imports into the UK, but the total, value, the total values are higher, which means, at least in the case of Italy, an average uh, higher price, uh, especially for steel wines. So since June 2022, according to the latest figures, there's been also a decline in total wine and spirit sales in the, con in the country, in both value and volume, uh, as businesses and consumers face mounting cost pressures. And economic factors like rising inflation, uh, rising energy costs, uh, cost of livings have affected the consumer's purchasing power. And now this could mean also that the consumers are making different choices uh, or they are changing their drinking habits uh, uh, due to the financial pressure that they're facing. And furthermore, in August, as you may know, uh, the reform of excise duties was introduced by the government with the aim to discourage the harmful uh, consumption of alcohol. And still wine is, per, um, is particularly affected uh, by this new duty, but on the other end, sparkling wine will enjoy a lower excise duty. So uh, it could be argued that sparkling wine will benefit from this, possibly leading to more imports, uh, bigger exports into the UK. So, despite the challenges, uh, uh, I sense anyway a, a sense of optimism. I think the future is promising anyway for Italian wines in the UK. And there are 
several factors that are contributing to this uh, optimism. Um, first of all, the food-friendly nature. Uh, the Italian wines are known for their food friendliness and making them a natural choice for a range of cuisines. And, and this is expected to continue to drive the, their popularity. Uh, we, have, we mentioned already the affordable options, uh, like Chianti, or, and also there is, in the off-trade, uh, six to nine pounds bottle segment, uh, which is where most of the UK demand in the off-trade lies, and uh, Italian wines uh, are set to be competitive also across various wine types within this range. Um, and British consumers are now more educated uh, post-pandemic about wine and are more health conscious and look for more quality products. So the trend is shifting towards also prioritizing quality over quantity and they may choose to uh, invest uh, in better quality options and is what mentioned also the, the natural wine movement has driven the demand also for organic and biodynamic wines. Um, the e-commerce platforms experienced a boost during the pandemic and their upward trajectory is set to continue as suppliers have either switched or implemented online selling channels for both trade clients and, and consumers. And the pandemic experience revealed also the resilience of the wine sales in retail despite the challenging times, suggesting the, the overall strength of the retail sector, which was fueled by the consumer's joy of buying their preferred, their favorite wines. Um, until now, I've I spoken of the complexity and diversity of, of, of the Italian wines as a good thing, it is, but it could be also, it is actually also a weakness um, because too much choice can put consumer off uh, if they don't know uh, where to start. So how do, how do they get to know to so many varieties? Um, one answer could be that the Brits love Italy. Uh, I'm very proud of that. <laughs> Uh, it's one uh, of their favorite tourist destinations, and many classic and loved TV programs are centered around the country's culture and food. Uh, only this year, for instance, the BBC has launched three TV series uh, about Italy for their, their primetime audience, uh, and they are presented by household names like Amanda uh, and Alan's in The Italian Job, uh, Anton and Giovanni's Adventures in Sicily, and Clive Murray's Italian road trip, where they showcase the Italian traditions, uh, arts, and regional inogastronomic culture. Uh, and a trip to a winery is almost uh, unmissable. So tourists visiting a specific Italian region will drink wines from the region when there, and on holiday they may be, they may feel more adventurous and try new wines which are readily available. And they carry the memory back to the UK and they will try to find the same wine. So it's a bond. Uh, we need to keep that bond alive and also because it gives them to the customer the, an holiday feeling. Uh, so this direct link between the countries is very important and Italy has an identity which I think is the is best selling point. 
The wider consideration about Italian wines in the future is climate change, uh, although it's difficult to predict the effect it will have on wine production globally. It, it is a challenge for a country traditionally producing wine. Um, and while some of them, some of the established countries uh, are looking at, or are already planting Mediterranean varieties, which we stand better in increasing temperature, Italy, it could be more uh, in a place uh, which um, guarantee um, a better, a better, um, how do you say? <laughs> Um, so Italy, for its configuration of the landscape, made for the 70% of hills and mountains, uh, can rely at least in the short foreseeable future on its indigenous grapes that have been demonstrated to uh, withstand better the, the heat. So uh, as Italian trade agency, uh, as uh, Hermione was mentioning, we organize a lot of activities in the UK. Uh, Borsavini Italiani is our main event, uh, main event throughout the calendar year. Uh, is one, a one-day trade uh, testing where wineries showcase their products, and we aim to strengthen the connection between the Italian producer and the UK market, uh, and we promote the diversity and variety of Italian wine, uh, offering to local trade operators to uh, guide them through the 500 and counting autochthonous Italian grapes, um, I think that trade operators in the UK should be adventurous, as the consumers uh, demonstrated to be, uh, also with their online choices. Uh, and the Italian trade agency uh, comes in with this matchmaking role, presenting innovative offerings to the, to the UK market. To achieve this, I, I think efforts uh, are required from all fronts, from... Uh, all industry and trade associations, consortia, uh, governing bodies representing the specific territory, uh, also the private organizations, they should all work in the same direction as they already do, uh, with the principal objective of promoting the image of a multifaceted, majestic, uh, uh, and authentic Italy. Um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah. I'll pass over to Adam with his Thank you very much, Claudia. Uh, can I have the... Um, oh, yeah. The, uh, thank you very much. Could we have my slides? Ah, here we go. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, the fine wine market in the UK... Um, Let's have a look at um, a definition of a fine wine to start with. Um, I'm not going to give you lots of uh, stats and graphs, etc., but just an overall look at what the fine wine market looks like. Um, now, um, a fine wine, one that has heritage and critical acclaim, is directly traceable to its vineyards and an individual winemaker, bottled at the property, made in limited quantities, capable of long aging, and crucially, has resale value. It works in the secondary market. Um, you all know this. Um, London, uh, the, the, the UK um, has a, 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 um, a, is dominated by a handful of big players. These are the, the, the big five London merchants, Berry Brothers and Rudd, Corny and Barrow, Justerinas, Far Vintners, Fine and Rare, 
Um, and there are many, many others, um, specialist entrepreneur and investment merchants like Oino, Crew Worldwide, dozens of well-established and highly regarded players, Jascots, Goodhouse, um, Burgundy Specialists, Ripley Fine Wines, Lay and Wheeler, Flint, Stannery, Chelsea Vintners. Now, what I thought I'd do um, was have a home in on Corny and Barrow just to have a look at what one of the biggest London wine merchants looks like. Um, established in 1780, um, it's about 100 years younger than its two major competitors, Justerini and Brooks and the Berry Brothers. Um, it has a turnover of around about 94 million, um, less than half the size of Berry's and a bit bigger than Justerini's. It's a multinational operation, offices in Edinburgh, Hong Kong, Singapore, Shanghai, a couple of shops. It's just built a four million pound warehouse in, um, in Scotland. Um, it's agent for these wines here, um, Petrus, DRC, Comte George de Vogue, Le Flave, etc. So you can see Berry's um, Justerine um, Cornies um, is, is, a, is a formidable operation. Now, um, all fine wine merchants are, are similar in many ways. Their customer base, wealthy, international, intercollecting and possibly investing in wine, predominantly male, we'll talk about that later. Many will live in a different country from the one they were born in. They'll travel frequently for work. They'll take three or four foreign holidays a year. They'll work in finance, government, medicine, assorted academic fields, media. Um, Monocle magazine um, rather nicely described this, this, kind of, this kind of person as someone, quote, someone who is on the hunt for opportunities and they're cash rich and time poor. Now, if the merchant's customer base is similar, their operations are very different. For example, Berry Brothers and Rudd, heavily invested in online. Berry Brothers has its uh, broking platform, BBX. Um, BB Berry Brothers had a very sophisticated website in 1994. Now, we launched Decanter.com in 1999, which seemed early for a website. 94 was, was, was very early to have um, a working website. Um, other wine merchants prize personal contact, personal service above, above everything. Um, I'm, later on, I'm quoting Giles Cooper of the, um, of the specialist wine merchant Chelsea Vintners, who told me, we are ruthlessly committed to minimizing how much we do online. More on that later. Um, let's look at the health of the fine wine market. Stock market is volatile. Fine wine is not. Um, now we have a quote from HSBC Bank from their report in September this year. Fine wine is the leading passion asset with a re recent survey reporting that 96% of UK wealth managers expect demand for fine wine to increase, outperforming other luxury other luxury assets. Let's look at that slide in a minute. Um, so the solidity of fine wine as an investment uh, has been an article of faith since I was in short trousers. Blue chip Bordeaux, Burgundy, Napa have long been considered the epitome of robust, stable growth and resistance to recession. Um, let's have a quick look. Um, this is Sotheby's um, uh, from their market report on 2022, 
This was released in March 2023. Um, so 2022 was a record year for sales at Sotheby's. Um, you can see there that um, they did um, 158 million total sales in 2022, compared, looking back to 2013, 58 million. Um, we, won't, we don't need to spend too much time on the Sotheby's, uh, the Sotheby's um, uh, chart there, but robust and stable indeed. Um, Sotheby's is just embarking on a series of glittering wine sales from the sellers of the billionaire Pierre Chen. Um, 25,000 bottles valued at 50 million. So that's robustness for you. But it's notable how the downturn and the various crises afflicting the world at the moment um, have affected the fine wine market as it relates to um, the merely rich and not the super rich. Um, now, these are um, uh, LiveX um, figures here. Um, so all the major LiveX indices recorded declines during quarter three this year. Um, so in the past year, looking at the Standard & Poor 500, that increased by 17.7%. The Dow Jones Industrial increased by 16.7%. LiveX 50, which is their basket of the 50 most traded wines, decreased by 12.1%. Now, that's very, very unusual for the LiveX 50 to go down. Um, so um, that's, the, that's LiveX. That's LiveX. Now, um, the top wines in every market continue to perform well, obviously. Um, uh, you know, uh, nobody is going to stop buying Domaine de la Romani Conti. Nobody's going to stop buying the top Rolex watches, all the top luxury assets. Um, now, um, but you, you hear, in, in contrast... The fine wine market, the, 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 the top end, um, is absolutely stable. Um, at the one rung down, looking at the super seconds, looking at wines like Ponte Cane, looking at Trolong Mondo, looking at Chateau Pavi in Bordeaux, um, more sluggish. While blue chip Bordeaux, Champagne and Burgundy are strong in the long term, the super seconds are just kicking along, one investment manager told me. And you hear this constantly. On the way here, I was talking to, to, to the managing director of, uh, of a London importer, actually it's Regine, who gave the brilliant um, AI talk just now, um, who said that the summer had been very difficult for their fine wine clients. Uh, and she described the downturn as a correction. Uh, Pauline Vicar of the think tank Arani put it like this. She said, if 2022 was like the roaring 20s, 2023 was more like 1929. But fine wine continues to fascinate investors. Witness the increased interest in Italian wines. Now, this is um, another LiveX chart. And this is quite interesting in that um, this, is their, this is their most in-demand Italian wines by the number of bids, um, 2022. So you'll see the first, the first six wines there um, have already appeared in the Italy 100. But the next five, starting at the, um, the Barbaresco there, those haven't appeared in the, in the Live X 100 before. So there are new, fine Italian wines coming into the market. Um, and um, here is Live X again. Um, this, is their top, this is the top five performing investment wines out of all wines on the, in, in, in the Live X indices um, in quarter three this year. So you'll see there, as I've highlighted, you've got three Italian wines, um, uh, all from Piemonte, all in the top five, top performing wines in quarter three, 2023. 
Um, let's move on quickly. I know I'm going fast, but there's a lot to get through. How are we doing for time? We've, well, we're looking okay. Um, in the on-trade, uh, the picture is just as nuanced. Uh, the pandemic obviously had a seismic effect on the on-trade. Uh, restaurants account for 30% of total European wine sales. Now, in the UK, 14% of restaurants closed permanently as a result of the pandemic. Um, 6% of Michelin-starred restaurants closed. The City of London, Birmingham, Britain's second biggest city, and Glasgow were worst affected. Now, um, as a result of all these, as a result of all, all the economic problems they're having, restaurants have, have adapted their wine lists, uh, where, whereas price and quality were the main two criteria for listing a wine. Sommeliers have added a third, sustainability. Wine lists are shorter. There's been a drop of 2.2% in the number of references on wine lists across the world. Restaurants that made it through the pandemic appear to be making major changes to their organisations as well as changes to their wine lists. As everybody knows, uh, one of the major problems since the pandemic is staffing shortages. In the UK, we have the additional problem of Brexit, um, which has caused major st st staffing shortages. Um, So, anecdotally, uh, some of the changes restaurants are making, um, there's, if, if you look at you know, the original reasons for listing a wine in, t in, terms of, um, in terms of price, in terms of availability, adding this third, like, this third line, sustainability, um, here we have Watson Brown of 11 Madison Park. Through our wine menu, we need to tell stories of what is happening in the world right now. So I'm choosing to pour the wines that help people understand different value systems are possible. So what characteristics do uh, wine consumers have in common with um, an everyday consumer, a supermarket, a supermarket consumer? How invested are they, for example, in sustainability, in natural wine? How important is packaging? How important are heavy bottles to the average fine wine consumer? We know these things are of vital importance to the younger generation. Similarly, sustainability. This is a subject considered so important that the, fine, the, the Wine Society um, has just launched its sustainability hub. And now you all know the Wine Society, obviously, um, and its, um, its, its sustainability hub um, has really quite serious articles on things like the 2023 Bottle Weight Accord and the ins and outs of regenerative viticulture. Now, that's obviously important to somebody who buys wine at the Wine Society. How important is it to a fine wine consumer? Well, not very. Here again, I'm quoting my friend Giles of Chelsea Fine, the Ch Chelsea fine Wine, Chelsea Vintners. So he says, organic, the top producers have been doing that for years. They're already artisan. Omar Rafat, head of fine wine at Jaskets, which supplies 100% supplies the on-trade. If organic and biodynamic were really important to fine wine diners, then you'd see it on wine lists and you don't. Rebecca Palmer, associate director at Corley and Barrow, it's almost expected that fine wines from the classic regions will be organic and or biodynamic. It would not be a barrier to sale if a producer were not. So... 
If for the younger generation, sustainability is becoming more important, particularly in the on-trade, Rebecca then adds, there's growing consumer awareness around sustainable packaging, but not for their traditional fine wine buyers. So there's a very definite divide between the generations. Corny and Barrow, and any fine wine merchant of the same size and type, has an aging customer base. To survive, they must respect and cater to their over 55s, while at the same time not alienating young, up-and-coming collectors and consumers. So if fine wine is slow to catch on to the trends that are affecting the rest of the wine world, perhaps it needs to open its eyes. Sainsbury's, for example, has just predicted that 25% of the UK population will be vegan by 2025. Now, I don't know what the percentage of fully vegan people in the UK is at the moment, but I don't think it'll be 25% in two years. But um, it's, it's, veganism is very much a thing in fine dining. Um, it's uh, not just 11 Madison Park and Geranium that are, that, that are vegan. There are at least six Michelin-starred restaurants that have serious vegan offerings. These include Raymond Blanc's Belmont, Le Manoir, Holland Street Social in London, Gidley Park in Devon. And if you're in any doubt as to the growing importance of the low and no alcohol movement, have a look at the restaurants and hotels that list Matthew Jukes's cordialities range of non-alcoholic vinegar-based drinks. 21 Michelin-starred restaurants in the UK carry his non-alcoholic drinks. And these include restaurants like Dinner by Heston Blumenthal, Core by Claire Smith, Oswald's, The Wolseley, A. Wong, The Groucho, Alain Ducasse. The move towards lower alcohol, sustainable, good-for-the-planet wines is only increasing. And the hip young architects in East London who go to natural wine bars, who are totally au fait with all the language of natural wine... They talk about wild yeast ferment, they talk about unfined wines, they talk about non-filtered wines, they talk about funky wines. These are the white tablecloth fine wine diners of the next few years. Um, now, I was going to talk about the pandemic, but I think as time is moving on, and we need to take some questions, and I think Claudio has covered the pandemic very well, um, I don't think we need to go on, we'll go on um, about that. Um, I think we'll just move on to um, the future for fine wine. Um, now, climate change, survival of the fittest. Those wineries that are most adapted through the great varieties they use and by virtue of their geography, um, are they higher, are they nearer the ocean? Um, we're going to see new grape varieties coming in. We're going to see new regions. I've lost count of the number of times Italy is mentioned um, as the most exciting region for fine wine. And we've seen this in my previous graphs. Um, in, in Italy, the center of gravity is going to shift away from, um, from the, traditional, um, the traditional most collectible fine wine, wine regions. Um, uh, cooler, higher regions are going to be of more importance across the world, Sonoma, Etna, Patagonia. Um, in the recent um, issue of Club Enologique, uh, Jim Clark, um, 
the wine writer Jim Clark uh, mentions five new Italian wine regions that collectors need to have on their radar, many of them chosen for their altitude. Um, in Spain, in Australia, Chile, Argentina, um, in Clubine Logique again, I interview Alberto Antonini, um, the great consultant, um, who's busy planting vineyards in the most marginal parts of Patagonia, um, places where it's common to see penguins pattering among, among the vines. Now, these, these are not fine wines by, by many of the criteria that I set out at the beginning. Um, they don't have, um, they don't, you know, they're, they're, hardly, they're hardly out in the market at the moment. Um, they don't have um, existence in the secondary market, for example. But, but the, this, is what, this is what the fine wine world, which is very, very slow to move, needs to take account of, uh, that these wines are going to be coming on the market. Um, sustainability. Um, as we've seen, sustainability uh, is just, it, it's, it's not an issue in the fine wine world, in the fine wine world at the moment. Um, I was in a cab with a couple of colleagues yesterday who said to me, how many times do I actually look at sustainability as a criterion when I'm buying any kind of wine? Um, I don't. It'd be quite interesting actually to have a show of hands from the audience. This will check that you're still awake as well. Um, who... Who uses sustainability as a criterion when they're buying wine of any level? Is that all? Three, four people. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, but look how seriously the top restaurants are taking this. Look how seriously the top restaurants are taking their vegan offering. Um, remember, the traditional fine wine, the traditional collector, the traditional fine wine buyer, the traditional fine wine consumer, I should say, um, they might not be interested, but they are a dying breed. There's a whole new cohort of fine wine buyers coming up. Um, so there's going to be focus on the most sustainable wines. There's going to be focus on the healthiest wines. Biodynamic and organic are going to take, take center stage. Um, you know, I've been, I've been editing and writing for 20 years on wine, and, and the, 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 whole, the whole idea of sustainability, and we used to go around wineries and they'd say, do you want to see our wastewater treatment plant? Um, and we'd say, yes, um, but we'd mean no. Um, sustainability has always been a really, really difficult question to, um, a really difficult subject to interest consumers in, and more importantly, to interest editors in. But it is becoming more and more important. Um, I mean, it's obviously, obviously very, very important in world terms, but it's becoming more and more of an issue for editors as well. We're going to see many more articles coming up on sustainability. Um, in terms of technology, I won't go into um, AI because many of you, I'm sure all of you, were in the, in the talk by Regine just now. Um, but um, AI is another technology shaping the wine industry. AI-powered platforms will be able to analyze market trends, historical pricing data, enabling investors to make more informed decisions. That is going to bring in a new and younger cohort um, of collectors. Um, trading platforms are going to increase accessibility. They're going to bring more and younger investors into the fine wine market. Um, we're going to see new consumers. We're going to see more women. Um, in terms of the fine, of fine wine investment, recent data suggests that women are increasingly participating in wine auctions, in private sales, in seller acquisitions. Auction houses have reported a notable increase in, uh, in the number of female buyers and bidders. And this challenges the stereotype of wine investment as a predominantly male 
pursued. Um, and that trend is repeated when it comes to the under 35s. Um, so just to wind up, um, the fine wine landscape is changing and it's a change accelerated by, by the pandemic, by geopolitical um, events. Um, but it's very, very important to note that in wine, everything moves very, very slowly. Um, the key thing to remember, as I've said, is that the noisy, diverse, dynamic younger generation are, in the words of the market experts, quote, flexible consumers rather than category loyalists. They prize authenticity, sustainability, low carbon footprint, lighter and recyclable bottles, organically or, bi or biodynamically produced wines. At the moment, they're still sitting on benches, on stripped pine tables, in natural wine bars all over the world. But many of them are the fine wine buyers of tomorrow. So we need to take note of that. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, everyone. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through ItalianWinePodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production and publication costs. Until next time, ciao.